Folks, I am really excited to welcome in a new client. It's not a new client to me. It's somebody I've known for a number of years. I have immense respect for her. She's a friend. Her name is Ann Dresser Coker, and she is, and this is without embellishment, the number one real estate person in Denver. Not my ranking. This is fact. She is the number one individual producer, according to the Denver Metro Association of Realtors. She's the number one individual at Liv Sotheby's International Realty. I have used her to purchase homes. She's great. And she's reachable at 303-229-6464. That's 303-229-6464, where you can get to her on her website at Ann, A-N-N-E, Dresser, D-R-E-S-S-E-R, Dresser.com. Now, she is terrific for a number of reasons. First of all, she's personable. She's always accessible. She deals uh, with people looking for homes in all price points. And she's a results-oriented broker that has a clear understanding of home buyers and sellers, again, at every price point. And you can always reach her day or night. I always kid her. I said, is this all you do is work? But she says she loves what she does. And it's pretty clear. And that is why she has been celebrated for years and years as one of the top producers in the Denver market. So if you're in the market for a home, if you're trying to navigate the craziness that is out there, you need to call Ann Dresser Coker, 303-229-6464, or again, her website at anndresser.com. Trust me, you will be glad you did. She is marvelous. I know it's snowing out, and you're probably trying to find ways to get rid of that snow. Here's a great idea. Do as I did earlier today. Go to SteelUSA.com. That's S-T-I-H-L. And check out all their products. You're going to be blown away. You can remove snow. You can remove trees. You can remove brush. You can remove virtually everything with all of their fantastic products. And all of their products work in all four seasons whether it's the uh, heart of winter, which we're battling through right now, or the heat of the summer. It's S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA.com, and find the dealer near you. There's more than 10,000 at SteelDealers.com. And uh, they're going to be at the Home and Garden Show down at the Convention Center coming up, so you can check them out there as well. And um, again, you're going to be blown away by all the great products they have, all the great service you will receive. That is SteelDealers.com, SteelUSA.com. Remember, they spell it S-T-I-H-L. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast. Where to begin? NFL playoffs. Lawsuits. New coaches. Old coaches. Nuggets. Avalanche. And this guy. When Steve Adagio was hired, I suspect most most of the other coaching staff kind of said, I guess we don't have to worry about CSU uh, for the next few years. But I, I definitely think with Jay Norvell coming in, the other coaches are like, oh boy. Part-time hockey player. And CBS4 news anchor on the side. Jim Benneman talking sports, media, and what not to do if you want to be on TV. Don't ever set yourself up through lack of commitment or focus that you look stupid on television. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is show number 134 on the Drew Goodman Podcast. And uh, glad, as always, that you are along with us. 
Jim Benjamin will be our special guest. Look forward to talking about uh, a lot of topics with uh, Benny, as he's known, uh, in a little bit. And uh, he's been around this market for a long time, longer than me, and I'll remind him of such uh, in a little bit. So uh, championship weekend has come and gone. Congrats to the Cincinnati Bengals. Congrats to the uh, Los Angeles Rams as they move on to the Super Bowl. I saw on social media a number of people, Bronco fans, who were thrilled with the fact that the Chiefs lost in the AFC Championship game. They blew the big lead. And I was thinking to myself, I don't fully understand that. I mean, at face value, I get it. The The Chiefs are in the Broncos division, and they've beaten the Broncos a dozen straight times, and it's easy to hate on the Chiefs. But I get no satisfaction out of that. The only satisfaction you should get if you're a Broncos fan in the Chiefs losing is if the Broncos were on the field defeating them. Nothing else matters. In fact, I would argue the opposite. You should have been rooting for the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl because they do play in your division. And because they're in the AFC West, and if the AFC West is represented, it makes you look better, even if you're not there. So I don't understand fully getting excited. And as you all know, I grew up and I remain a giant fan when the Cowboys would go to the Super Bowl or the Eagles to the Super Bowl or the Washington Commanders, that's right, they're now known as the Commanders, uh, to the Super Bowl. I, I mean, I could care less whether they won or lost, but I wasn't, I wasn't excited, honestly, if they lost on the lead-up to, unless it was over the uh, against the Giants, because it just makes the NFC East at the time look better. That's how I looked at it. One other note on the NFC Championship game. So the Rams will be at home in the Super Bowl, SoFi Stadium, and they were, and I put this in air quotes, at home in their victory over the 49ers. Didn't feel like they were at home. There were more 49er fans there. LA remains a horseshit NFL market. It's bad football market. It, it, it always has been. They're in the NFC Championship game, and the stadium's got more than 50% of the team to the north's colors. Love LA, strange town. All right, big, big news week when it comes to sports. Yeah, Tom Brady retired, but uh, trumping that was the lawsuit of the uh, NFL. Three teams also mentioned, the Denver Broncos, the New York Giants, and the Miami Dolphins by Brian Flores, who was just relieved of his duties recently as head coach of the Miami Dolphins, despite having won at one point nine of his previous 10 games this year. My initial thoughts, courageous on behalf of uh, Brian Flores. Good for him. Now, what will be the result, near-term, long-term? Well, the two teams I follow closest, I just referenced them, the Broncos and the Giants. They're both named in the suit. The accusations of alleged tardiness and the feeling that uh, John Elway uh, was hung over will certainly be hard to prove. Uh, it's not an image that is flattering, naturally. And the Broncos uh, almost immediately, vigorously repudiated the accusations. As for the Giants, from afar, the hiring of Joe Schoen and uh, the quick signing of Brian Dayball, two who worked closely together for several years with the, the Buffalo Bills, 
it appears to be almost a package deal, a fate to complete, and that's what came out in the uh, missent text from Bill Belichick to Brian Flores. Here are just facts, uh, at least as of this taping. Approximately 70% of the league, in terms of its players, are African-American, and there's one current head coach who's black, Mike Tomlin. Since the application of the Rooney Rule, there have been 129 head coaching hires. Only 15 were African-American. Now, the rule is intended to provide opportunity, mandate interviews, widen the scope of candidates from what had been the norm for decades. And I applaud the rule. But it still requires owners who are 31, basically white billionaires, and also the Green Bay Packers, which are, are owned publicly, to move on from the status quo. The pool of candidates of color to be coordinators, quarterback coaches, general managers, team presidents, one would think is fairly significant in this day and age and expanding by the day. I believe earning opportunities on merit, 100%. But those opportunities to rise up not only have to be provided more regularly, there has to be greater allowance for second chances for people of color. It's a fact. You know, when a job comes open, it's typically not a gig where the team has been enjoying grand success. They're by and large reclamation projects. So if someone falls short in that reclamation project, as is often the case, do a deeper dive as to why when that candidate is looking for another job. It seems through the years, not because it seems, because it's reality, uh, many white candidates can fail multiple times as opposed to their black counterparts. For instance, why is Marvin Lewis, after a really strong run in Cincinnati over a number of years, why is he an assistant for Herm Edwards down in Arizona State? Why has he not gotten another opportunity? I would think at one point he took the Bengals to the playoffs in six out of seven years. I got another one. Why is Jim Caldwell not a head coach? His career record, two different stops, Indianapolis and Detroit, 62 and 50. He had a four-year run in Detroit where they were above 500 three times. Detroit of all places. Second chances are important. Josh McDaniels is currently getting one with the Raiders, and he deserves it. So does Vance Joseph. You have a right to get better. That's just what I'm saying. And let me state this again. To be a a leader of men, you don't have to come from one side of the ball or be a primary play caller. I've been stumping on, on this the last couple of weeks. Look at the best coach in the history of the University of Colorado in football. He barely had a headset on. Talking about Bill McCartney. So stop with they have to come from one side of the ball, or maybe they didn't, they weren't a play caller. It's okay. There have been a number of guys, if you think about it, who've been outstanding leaders of men, outstanding coaches who weren't necessarily play callers. Now, the NFL response to the lawsuit was quick, stating in summation that it lacked merit. I believe that the NFL has gone to significant lengths to be inclusive, to change the old boy network, though it should not have been, in my opinion, so quick to call it meritless. You know, you can say that you're going to further investigate while also stating the importance of inclusion and even touting what you've done. But to immediately come out and say it was 
without merit, basically, uh, I think was not the message they wanted to send. Uh, it, it was almost a knee-jerk reaction. Now, the other part of the lawsuit was a story about Miami owner Stephen Ross allegedly telling Brian Flores to tank games, and if he did, he'd pay him $100,000 for each loss. Well, if that's accurate, I need not tell you that's alarming, because the ramifications of such a request are far-reaching. It was fascinating what came out, and uh, it'll be fascinating to follow this story more closely in the coming days. More on coaches. You know, quite honestly, and I've said this many times, we bestow too much credit on coaches. And a couple of recent examples. Let's begin with the Broncos. They made huge news this week. They hired a head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, who comes from Green Bay. And he is nothing if not enthusiastic. How's everybody doing today? There you go. Um, Look, I feel like this is a dream right now. I mean, this is absolutely unbelievable to be up here in front of everybody here. Um, It's like crazy. My kids (laughs) just trying to. Got to keep my composure about me because this is this is truly unbelievable. Um, to say that I'm excited would be a massive understatement because I am um, so excited to get to work and I want to do nothing but uh, work with all these guys and be with them. You sit here and you stand in front of everybody and and it's you know Nathaniel Hackett's name is up here, but it took everybody to get me in this position right here. Uh, I mean, it really did. I mean, just from the starting point of George, I mean, he's been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I'm so grateful for all the conversations we've had. And yes, they were very extensive and long with everybody. His whole team was absolutely unbelievable. Um, Joe Ellis, I mean, awesome. I mean, John Elway, I really want that jersey, please. I'm not joking. Um, but, uh, you know, just this whole organization has been unbelievable. So Hackett clearly won the press conference. High energy, likable, an abundance, as we talked about, of enthusiasm, obviously. High praise from his players in Green Bay. At face value, it's a good choice, man. And I'm not suggesting it's not. The Broncos' offense is not good, so the, the Broncos said, let's hire an offensive guy. Hackett coordinated a terrific offense in Green Bay, And uh, last I checked, they had a pretty well-known quarterback who's been rather successful. Now, if that guy ends up here, this instantly becomes a great hire. And the Broncos were quick to point out that this was their guy, regardless of whether he's able to lure, and the Broncos organization is able to lure uh, or, or produce a deal with Green Bay to get Aaron Rodgers here. They're basing it on on what they did and their due diligence and the interview process. But this was also the same guy, and I like the hire. Don't get me wrong. I want to repeat that. But it's also the same guy who was fired by Jacksonville when he was the offensive coordinator. His quarterback there was Blake Bortles, as I'm sure you know. My point, again, is you're often as good as your talent. Had that conversation with Craig Bowl last week at Wyoming. Is it great coaching, or is it... Great players make great coaches. I'll give you another one. Everyone loves Sean McVay. Boy genius. He's going to another Super Bowl already. That was a terrific NFC championship game. He almost screwed it up. He twice unsuccessfully challenged plays that cost him timeouts when he had little or no chance of winning those challenges. Then if you remember, late in the third quarter, late in the third quarter, they're down by 10, the Rams are. And they had just produced a first down, kind of in the middle of the field. 
and they were tardy getting the play in to Matthew Stafford. And so he hustles up to the line of scrimmage, and they're worried that he's not going to get the ball snapped. It's going to be a delay of game. And so from the sideline, he calls timeout. You see this done all the time. They were better off taking the delay of game and going first and 15 there than burning a timeout. Because at the time, because they had also lost a challenge earlier, they had one timeout after that left. One timeout when you're down by 10 with, you know, I don't know, 17 minutes basically left in the game, you need all three timeouts. They would burn another one later on an ill-advised challenge, and they went into the final portion of the game with no timeouts. It was horrendous game management. They overcame it because they made more plays ultimately than the 49ers did, and they had the better quarterback down the stretch, and they're going to the Super Bowl. But in my mind, and I think McVay is a really good coach by all indications, but we always heap praise on coaches. In my mind, he tried to screw that up, but they still got there. They were able to overcome it. Now, here's the other side of that. Andy Reid, much celebrated coach, and deservedly so. I saw where people were blaming Andy Reid for the events that took place at the very end of the first half in their loss, which didn't appear to be a loss at that point in time that I'm referencing, uh, in their loss to Cincinnati. They're up 21-3, to and they're inside the two-yard line with five seconds left, and they have a timeout. And I agree. Try to get six points there. Go for the jugular. They have a great quarterback, as we know. Run a play there. It should be one read. If that guy's not open in the end zone, throw it away, and you're going to have two seconds left. Go out there, kick the you know, the old-time extra point, and you're now up 24-3 to as you run off to the locker room. And, by the way, you're getting the ball to start the second half. Instead, what happened, as you all know, Mahomes throws the ball in the flat after checking his first read, and 10, the great Tyreek Hill, gets, gets tackled inbounds, and they actually they didn't have they didn't have a way to stop in the clock or or even if they did it didn't matter because the uh, clock had expired. That was on Patrick Mahomes. That wasn't on Andy Reid. I agreed with going for it. And you're trusting now a young veteran quarterback who's not good. He's great. That play, if you ask Patrick Mahomes, that's on him. You cannot throw the ball in bounds there. You can't throw it anywhere but the end zone or away. But yet we wanted to, you know, rip the coach there. So the Super Bowl is going to be Matthew Stafford uh, against the upstart Cincinnati Bengals led by Joe Burrow. Now, last week or a couple weeks ago, actually, I had Dave Lapham on, who used to play for the Bengals for a decade, long, long time uh, radio analyst of the Bengals, and I remind you of what he said about Joe Burrow. This dude is Joe Cool. I mean, there's no there's no question about it. He does not get rattled. He's a very, very unflappable guy, and he's so even keel, so consistent, laser-focused guy, um, a, a poker face the whole time. I'd hate to play cards against the dude. You really don't know what's going on in that head. I think it's fitting that as uh, Tom Brady retires, Ben Roethlisberger retires, A young gun is entering the big stage of the Super Bowl. Now, with uh, Brady retiring, I won't regale you with another repetitive tribute to Brady uh, upon his retirement. His career accomplishments are well known. They've been repeated countless times over the last few days. Bottom line, I'll miss, like all of you, watching him play football. 
I like watching greatness. It's why I didn't want Michael Jordan to get old and retire. It's why I feel the same way about Tiger Woods. Selfishly, I want them to keep playing. And in the case of Tom Brady, unlike Michael Jordan, who did get old, Tom Brady hasn't gotten old. Chronologically, he's old for an athlete. He's going to be 45 late next summer. But he's coming off an MVP caliber season. 43 touchdowns, over 5,300 yards in the air. He's going to finish in the top two or three in the MVP voting. He's still playing at the highest of levels. So selfishly, I'm disappointed. But again, uh, what a great run. On to baseball. Remember that sport? Well, we're now into February, and the steering contest between MLB and the MLBPA continues. It will ultimately get resolved. I can assure you of that. But now we're nearing the point of a delayed spring training or potentially worse, where we're missing regular season games or we're delayed to start the regular season. And the big loser among not just fans, but people who make their living in and around the game that aren't players or owners, fans too, who, I mean, making vacation plans to go to spring training and you got the, the airline tickets and the hotel all lined up and now you're thinking, heck, there may not be games to go to. It's disturbing. But baseball could be the biggest loser because at some point, a lot of fans out there are going to find other things to do and just give the game a big middle finger. Hopefully, hopefully we can avoid that. You know what I'd like to see, man? I'd like to see them go in any of the, when the CBA comes up, agree on a panel of three and go to binding arbitration on whatever the issues are. We'll continue to follow that as well. The Denver sports world a few days ago lost a good man in the passing of longtime sportscaster Les Shapiro. Knew Les for a long time. He was passionate, hardworking. He loved being at the games. He broke stories back in a day where television newscasters, broadcasters did break stories. He came to prominence in a time, this was, you know, the 80s and early 90s, where folks got their sports news, their sports highlights, their sports information from their television anchors, by and large. Ron Zapolo, Mike Nolan, Gary Cruz, Jim Conrad, Steve Harms, and Les. Those were the guys you trusted. What's going on with the Broncos? What's going on with the Nuggets? Who's this new team coming from Quebec? How the Rockies doing? Was a trade made? Who's on the trade block? You checked in with those guys, and Les took that job very seriously. Quick story. It was 1987, and I was coming down from Aspen, and I'd reached out to Les. That's where I got my start in Aspen with uh, KSPN TV. And he took the time to visit with me and go over tape and, um, you know, offer advice, etc. Started a friendship. Uh, you know, we used to hoop together on occasion. Uh, spent uh, a number of times talking to him, press boxes, media dining rooms uh, through the years. And uh, was just texting with him when I was down in Arizona, which was his adopted new home just a few months ago. He uh, passes at 65 way, way too young. It's one of the reasons that I wanted to have Jim Beneman on today because Jim worked with Les for for a long time, was good friends with Les as well. And uh, it also having Jim on provides an opportunity to talk about a lot of different sports topics and topics in general uh, in Denver with a guy who has seen much in his many, many decades as a broadcaster 
in our town. So, without further ado, our Ideal Home Loans interview of the week from CBS4, Jim Benjamin. All right, Benny, I've, I've known you uh, a long time, but not as long as you've been on the air in, in Denver. When you broke in in 1947, post-war uh, war <laughs> era, well, you, you've seen great growth since then in Denver, have you not? Well, it's been great. You know, I had the internship with Edward R. Murrow uh, while I was at CSU, and that, that really set me on a path, I think, uh, for, for surefire stardom, pal. Yes, and uh, it was back. It was Colorado A&M, in fact, back when uh, you were matriculating there, was it not? It was, and, uh, you know, you mentioned CSU. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, and uh, it's been great over the years, and you know, I think that uh, on the uh, on the football, well, obviously it's it's, it's you're healthy on days. I think that uh, you know the new football coach they hit a grand slam, and you know Nico on the basketball side they've got some good things going. But you know, those are the the two sports that all the more casual fans seem to follow, and that's the way it is for every school. But you know, up and down the lineup of sports programs up there, it's it's going really well. They've, they've got a lot of great teams. Do you know what's funny? I, I think you've be, been able to glean this from some of my social media tweets. And I had Jay Norvell on uh, literally a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. I had Nico Medved, the aforementioned Nico Medved, on oh uh, a month and a half ago or so. When I moved down from Aspen, I got my start, if you will, on the play-by-play side doing Colorado State football and basketball. So I've always had a great affinity for them. I've always pulled so hard for them. So I'm like you, like, you know, as we tape this, uh, uh, we'll be watching the border war tonight. And it's it's really great to see the basketball team where it is. It, it, not to, not to you know, uh, not mention the other programs as you did, but um, it's really cool to see what Nico's done up there. When you were you talking about uh, getting into it when you moved over from uh, the mean streets of Aspen, would uh, would would Boyd Boyd Tiny Grant have been the basketball coach? How far back do we? Yeah, you know what? Tiny Grant was the coach. The late Fred Litzenberger was one of his top assistants. Ernie Kent, who now uh, I, I was I was tossing to in the Pac-12 studio the other night, he was an assistant. Uh, Tim Durier, who was the head coach of Utah State, and is now. Uh, top assistant to Leon Rice at Boise State, and um, and Tim Jankovic, who's the head coach at SMU. They were all on that staff eventually. Well, a couple of them were playing, but then but then Duryea was playing at, at one point. Yeah, it goes way back and the end of the Leon Fuller era, and that's when uh, Earl Bruce came in. Yeah, Earl, and uh, you know that was a tumultuous time. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Earl was old school to a fault. And I remember Al Yates, the president at that point, uh, you know, just kind of uh, saw how the program was being run and, uh, you know, some of the complaints from the student athletes. And he said, we're not going there. And that was pretty much the end of Earl. But if I recall, Earl was the one uh, who led the Rams to that great victory over Oregon in the Freedom Bowl. That was a great win. And and he really, I I know when uh, the end came, uh, you, you, there were there were a lot of people who said, you know, you can't do that sort of thing. But uh, part of the Earl Bruce era, in fairness, was he 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 got some players up there. Brady Smith out of uh, your home state of Illinois, uh, and and Sean Moran from down here in Overland. 
he started recruiting some big-time kids and developed big-time kids. And then, of course, Sonny took over and really ran with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, then then it just got better. But, uh, yeah, those were good times. But it's uh, it's always great to be a uh, – no matter who you root for, it's, uh, college sports is terrific and, you know – Good or bad, it's, uh, it's 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 fun to follow, and I think that uh, we've got some good times going at CSU. So, so that's a bonus. You, you know what, Jim? It's amazing to me that the 180, even though Jay Norvell has not coached a football game yet, and I did a number of his games when he was at Nevada. He's the real deal. But you you went from, I mean, almost universal negativity with people like yourself who are alum and and proud. Uh, you know, proud to be, as they say in, in Fort Collins, alum, and, and the 180 that the hiring of Jay Norvell has brought to the football program. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that would have happened, uh, you know, even if we had lost a popular coach who took a bigger job or whatever, but uh, certainly when you're coming from the uh, uh, the Adazio era, uh, you know, <laughs> Jay's, Jay's hire looks like the uh, – you know, the, the, the Phoenix bringing the program up from the ashes. So um, that, and I think that I think he can flat out coach. He's done a lot with a program with very, very few resources. And, um, but it's just, it's so unusual to see a coach go within a conference. So I think that tells you he sees that it's kind of a, you know, kind of a sleeping giant and there's a lot of potential up in Fort Collins. That and the fact that, you know, he's such a youthful, energetic guy but I think that he might be 54 years old or something like Yeah, so he could be looking at this, like develops a great run and just calls it a career after coaching the Rams. Well, that that would be a good thing. And I, I've said this, uh, you know, on the podcast and to anybody who will listen, which is zero people, but um, that <laughs> that I will be shocked, Benny, if you and I aren't chatting two or three years from now and the Rams are in a really good spot when it comes to what they do in the autumn. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And, uh, uh, you know, when you follow their uh, their Twitter feeds, the coaching staff and Jay and all the kids, the uh, high school kids, players who are now on Twitter, uh, clearly they are leaving no stones unturned. They're very aggressive and very hardworking on the recruiting trail, and uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's great to see, and you know, I, uh, hopefully they've got a nice re- nice recruiting budget because I'm sure they're sending some uh, big expense bills to Joe Parker. Uh, yeah, I, uh, it, it does seem like they're not leaving a stone unturned. Truth be told, your favorite sport, and um, uh, I, I think it's always been this way. Correct me if I'm wrong. Really, is hockey? Is that fair? Without a doubt. Absolutely. Did you play growing up in in the suburbs of Chicago? I did, you know, but it's it's so different now, Drew. I mean, you know, the the talent level and the depth of youth hockey in a place like Denver, and then you get into the Detroit's, and now even Dallas and Phoenix's and Southern Cal, and so many kids have started to play hockey with, you know, the NHL expansions. But growing up in Chicago. You know, with, with Bobby Hall, Stan Makita, Chico Mackey, Glenn Hall. Um, you know, for one thing, it was a really hard ticket to get. My dad would always manage to have a couple of tickets on the Christmas tree. So, so that was nice. But yeah, we played, but it, you know, when I was a kid, it was mostly outdoor rinks. You know, they flood the local uh, soccer field. Um, but now it's, it's just exploded. I mean, uh, 
you know, it's uh, youth hockey is youth and high school hockey are really big. But yeah, I played played quite a bit growing up. See, you're I know you're a lot like me because I see what you post on on social media. I cannot get enough, and I know that it's about winning a Stanley Cup, but you have to enjoy the the road too. Uh, I cannot get enough of watching the Avalanche right now. I know. Yeah, isn't it something? Um, you know that comeback against Boston was just just fantastic against a uh, an original six team, and you know then you get teams like Buffalo and whatever. They just look like they're you know having a nice little scrimmage. And then they realize, you know, we probably ought to win by three or four goals just to make it official. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's, you know, it comes down to the goaltending. I think the goaltending has looked solid. Uh, but as we all know, um, you know, the, the playoffs are a, a different animal and uh, anything can happen, but they definitely have the look and I think they still feel the sting from getting bounced, uh, last year and, uh, I just think that the personal will of guys like Landy and a few other few other leaders, they're not going to let these guys not win it. Is it fair uh, from a regular season standpoint, Benny, to compare this team to the, the, the great run and the Hall of Fame roster that they had when they first arrived from Quebec and ultimately captured two Stanley Cups? I think absolutely. You know, I'm looking, the, looking back on those teams, you know, and, and as you know, you know, you got to look at the third and fourth lines. You just have to have a great mix of grinders. You know, you have to have the third line guy that might surprise you and score 18 goals. But, you know, penalty killing, grit, you know, some sandpaper guys like, uh, you know, Comfer and some other guys aren't afraid to mix it up. Yeah, and I'm looking back on obviously the superstars they had coming down from Quebec, and we've got superstars. Um, but you know you got to remember they have Patrick Watt too, one of the you know top three goalies of all time, and uh, so still the the goal the goaltending until the goaltending is proven to be Stanley Cup worthy, you know the the jury's still out. Yeah, and it it really always comes down to that, and yeah, as you as you know better than so many, and, and you alluded to this, you can dominate a hockey game and lose by a goal because their goaltender was so special on a given night. Or here's a term I don't know if you've heard: their goaltender stands on their head. <laughs> oh yeah, any hockey fans heard that one? <laughs> but uh we should hey listen growing up i knew you came from an athletic family uh w- w- did you i assume you played high school football like you had a brother was it one or two who played college football oh good memory buddy you had a brother who uh uh was an all-state basketball player and uh okay. but he ended up he, he got uh, it was funny they went they were one of the elite eight teams in illinois basketball which is saying something uh, that was his junior year, and he was a starter. He got a little crossways with the coach, and that kind of impacted his playing time as a senior. But he did, uh, you know, it was funny looking back, we were going, I've never heard of that place. He did get a college basketball offer from Davidson. Yeah. that's I, I, there's A pretty good shooter came out of Davidson recently. I remember that kid. But uh, he ended up taking a football scholarship at Minnesota, because, uh, you know, he was looking forward to a, a, a Big Ten experience, and so it worked out great. Yeah, I played the, uh, baseball, football, and hockey. Kept me busy during my high school years. Good deal. And, you, and you've probably forgotten this, but uh, back there was like a media 
league that started around 11 at night and we'd have beers around 1.15 in the morning that I got to partake in. Now, I didn't grow up, I was a football baseball guy, I didn't grow up playing hockey, but I would jump out there with, with you and Tom Green and you can play, I can't, but it was a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And it just goes to show you that, uh, you know, there are adult hockey leagues, whether you played in the National Hockey League or were a top flight D1 player, all the way down to I'm just learning how to lace up my skates. It's, uh, you know, adult hockey is great fun. And there are a lot of guys around the, along the front range who are, who are playing in the, the so-called beer leagues. Mm-hmm. Which are literal beer leagues. Are you still playing a little bit? Oh yeah, I've got a uh, I've got a great group. It's uh, you know it's called drop in, uh, which would indicate that you know a bunch of guys just show up and you divide up teams and you never know who you're going to see. But we've got the same core group of like 30 guys that we've had together for 15 plus years, and uh, usually 20 or 22 of us show up, and it's great. You know, you sweat your sweat your tail off. There's, no, no cheap stuff. It's just a great opportunity to sweat and have some laughs. So, yeah, I'm still going. I still love it. Yeah, it's uh, there's no better workout. I'll tell you that, and it is, it really is a is a blast. You'll uh, you, let me know when I can. Uh, I don't want to even. It's not even a literal pinch hit. I would love to uh, go back out there again and stumble around because I had a good. I think it'd be great. You know, if we're looking for that that Ken Lindsman type, yeah, we'll uh, we'll give you a call. There you go. Is Greeny going out there still? I have not. I've not seen that Greeny out there. Although uh, uh, I know that uh, sometimes we'll get together up in the uh, mountains and just, you know, with the, with the, our our sweet brides and get a place for a weekend and just find a, you know, some a lot of the mountain towns like flood the local park, and you basically go out and just play shinny for a couple of hours. And uh, Tom loves to lace it up. He's and his. I tell you what, his his institutional knowledge of the New York Rangers franchise is unbelievable. He just knows every roster going back to the mid 1960s. Well, he when he was growing up it was just there were only six teams you and him. Yeah, so, um, that's right. Who who did you root for as a kid? I was a I was a Ranger guy, but you know the Islanders were so dominant it was hard not to get caught up a little bit uh, you know, in the Islanders when they won four straight with Bossy and Pot Van and and Clark Gillies, who we just lost uh, in the last several days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I remember that. And uh, I think uh, Al Arbor was the coach all four years, right? He he was, wasn't he? He was he was he was the guy the the whole time. I mean, think about winning four in a row in anything. Uh, that that's like virtually impossible, especially in hockey, man, because. You know, wins and losses can be arbitrary at times, as we were discussing. That that was an unbelievable run. Yeah, it was an unbelievable run. And, uh, you know, for us Chicagoans who were just uh, so, you know, just so used to the original six. And, of course, then they threw in the, uh, you know, we got the North Stars and the Blues and the Penguins. And and who who can forget the California Golden Seals with their white skates? But um, but I yeah. think the island, the Islanders came in the next expansion after it went to 12, and I can't – they came in with two or three other teams, but yeah, it was pretty amazing what they did, and it didn't take them long as a franchise to do it. I'm going to throw one at you. Speaking of the Rangers, I happened to be on a flight. I don't know what the heck I was doing going back to uh, – you know, I'm from New York, as you know uh, – going back to the city in 94 when the Rangers finally won the Stanley yeah. Cup again. And I remember thinking that – and I've – 
articulated it since then, that the greatest leader, certainly one of the greatest sports leaders I've ever seen from afar, I've never met this guy, was Mark Messier. And the reason I'm bringing it up, Jim, is, and and again, you're a great, great knowledge of hockey and so on. I tell you what, of all the guys that you've covered when you were doing sports in this town and, and just being a close observer, Gabe Landeskog, for me, is as good a leader as we've had in the in the Mark Messier fashion. Whatever you need to do that night, I will do, including, as we've seen a number of times, maybe too many, him dropping the gloves. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's very, that is very true. And I always think about with Landy, I mean, he's, he's just fearless and uh, is certainly a capable fighter. He's just so darn strong. But, you know, you just really always do worry about a broken hand, a concussion. You know, anything can happen when these guys drop the mitts and they're so big and tough. But I, I would agree. I, I think and uh, he's certainly a lot of it is in the mold of Mark Messier. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's uh, he's all muscle. He's mature, smart, uh, knows what it takes to, to ignite a team. And, uh yeah, I, I think Landy's as good as we have seen. I'm trying to think back to, um, you know, just some of the uh, some of the Broncos teams, and you know, we've just had uh, just some some great leaders on on those teams as well. But yeah, I think that all in all, pound for pound, you, you gave Landis guys is is certainly one of the, the the finest captains we've had in this city. Have you seen, Jim, a better combination of skaters, one a forward and one a guy on the blue line, than what we see on a night-to-night basis? I know you know Nathan McKinnon's hurt right now, hopefully back after the All-Star break, and Kale McCarr, who's otherworldly. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. You know, we've seen Nathan McKinnon is a tremendous hockey player. And there are a lot, there are a lot of great players that I think you could compare to Nate. Uh, not a lot, uh, but 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 several, um, you know, who, who who can play at that level and do those types of things. I look at Kale McCarr, and I mean it's it's jaw dropping, some of the stuff that he can do. I mean, it's it's really dazzling, and you know, to 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 what to, to snipe those wrist shots in from uh, from inside the blue line to win games in overtime or to tie games with 30 seconds left. And he's just, it's unbelievable. And I remember when he came out of UMass, so he goes from playing, let's say, uh, you know, Cornell one weekend, and the next weekend he's on the ice in the National Hockey League and fits right in. In the postseason, no less. Yeah, yeah. Who's your fa- Jim, who's your favorite Avalanche player of all time? Oh boy, that's a tough one. I see it's, it's, I love Peter Forsberg watching Peter play. Yeah, that's mine. Yeah, as a, uh, as a defenseman, you know, I've, you know, we've, we've had some, some great ones and, uh, um, you know, when Ray, Ray got here from, from Boston, but I loved watching Rob Blake play defense. I mean, that, that guy, <laughs> he, uh, he, he could do it all. He was, He'd, he'd knock you into the, uh, you know, third row with a hip check, you know, intimidate guys, get the game winning goal. He was, he was everything. I loved Rob Blake. He, he had the best hip check of, uh, of anybody I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, he had great timing with it. <laughs> but Ray Bork, I was so happy that Ray got to lift the cup. That was, that was a great moment. 
Yeah. I, I, I alluded to this a, a moment ago. How many people you think who watch you on a nightly basis at CBS4 um, are aware of the fact that you actually started in sports in this town? Uh, you know, that's interesting, but uh, that would be incorrect, my friend. It is? I, I messed yes, up? My, my first job on air was I was the uh, Boulder news reporter for Channel 9 in 1981. I wasn't born in 81, Jim, so I apologize. <laughs> sure, rub my nose in it. So that's where I started. Then I went to uh, Washington, D.C. and covered Washington for three years, came back and, and did uh, two years of weekend sports, and that's where I get to, got to meet the, uh, you know, the, the uh, um, eminent Tom Green. Well, and your career has obviously fallen down the stairs ever since then, clearly. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, there was a, just a huge sports fan. It's, it's fun. And, and, you know, on social media, if, if you know, it's a, a, no, some of the knuckleheads are just over the top. But, you know, all of us enjoy being out there. And, you know, most of the, 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 the folks who follow me, we, you know, we have, we have respectable debates and good fun. And uh, for sports fans, it's, it's fun to be out there for the most part. So, so are you a news guy who loves sports or are you at, the core, a sports guy who's been doing news all these years. I would say news guy who loves sports. More with Jim Benjamin in a moment, but first this for my good friends at Ideal Home Loans. If you're purchasing a home, if you're consolidating debt, if you're trying to navigate uh, the rates out there, get good guidance. Heck, with good guidance, get great guidance. Call Brent Ivinson's team at Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000. Again, the number is 303-867-7000. They will answer any of your questions on this crazy market that uh, exists right now. And they will tell you if you're in the best product. And if if you're not, they'll help you get in the best product. They've done it for me on several occasions. They've done it for a number of of my friends. I trust them implicitly. It's Ideal Home Loans. They've been in business for more than 20 years here in Denver, and they're also uh, in the uh, business down in Arizona doing great things there as well. Give them a holler at 303-867-7000. That's Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000. Got my cup of Boyer's Coffee with me right now. Had one earlier this morning as well. Especially tastes good on a really cold morning in the single digits. Got to tell you that. You can get it delivered right to your house. That's what I do. Just go to boyerscoffee.com. Check out all their wonderful products. And there's a lot of sales going on right now. You can you can find some gifts on there as well. Hint, hint, for Valentine's Day coming up rapidly. So go to boyerscoffee.com. Do a little shopping and then have delivered whatever you want to your home. You can find it in your grocery store as well, but it's fun uh, getting the home delivery. Uh, they're marvelous. They've been in business since 1965 here in the Rocky Mountain region, and um, they're a great member of our community, environmentally conscious, Boyer's Coffee. Find them at boyerscoffee.com. Now back to more with CBS4's Jim Benjamin. Does it... Um stress you out is it it, or overall is it distressing at times doing some of the stories that you have to do Jim through the years as opposed to you know in sports 
you know, maybe the worst thing that happened, obviously we lose people sometimes in sports, granted, but, you know, is a coach being fired, that type of thing, versus some horrific stories that you have to tell uh, on a nightly basis sometimes. Well, and then for you, thinking back to uh, you know, Roy Halladay and sure. uh, in, in, in his passing, obviously there are some, uh, you know, tragic stories in that regard. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, on the news, you know, the, the fire – uh, and, the, you know, because I've been in that store uh, many, many times, the, you know, the, the King Super shooting up on Table Mesa in Boulder. And, you know, I think the, the, the stories, and this isn't a political statement, it's just kind of the way the country operates. It's just that, uh, you know, so many mass uh, gunshot deaths, and there's just uh, sadly nothing that uh, seems to happen that can, can really put, uh, put a stop on that or even, a, 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 you know, tap the brakes on it. But, uh, you know, so every, you know, every time we have a mass shooting, it's just the frustration of, I can't believe this is happening again. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that, uh, that, that eats at you, um, just like it eats at, you know, our viewers and everyone else. But, yeah, we're, we're certainly on the front lines. I was on the air for 10 hours straight the day of the, the Boulder County wildfire. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard, but uh, on the uh, the flip side is now we'll be able to co- you know handle the recovery and see how those neighborhoods come back, and uh, so the rebuilding will be there will be a lot of frustration involved and impatience, but uh, but but hopefully we can we can have some uh, empowering stories as we cover that. Because the business, so to speak, has changed so dramatically, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit. Social media. Um, and, and I talked briefly last time I think I ran into you and, and Tom, I think it was at a hockey game, in fact, or coming out of a hockey game. Uh, the fact that you are not shy about, you know, sharing oftentimes a, a political opinion on social media, which, you know, years ago it thought to be, you know, taboo is that you have to maintain a, a degree of neutrality or a strong degree of neutrality. Um, is there any pushback ever in in the fact that you will share uh, where you are on certain issues? No, there there, there is a lot, and uh, you know, honestly, we've we're uh, CBS is now owned by the Viacom Group, and it's a a great company, enlightened, very progressive. But uh, yeah, it wasn't too long before Viacom came back into the picture that we had our had a big social media Zoom seminar, and. Mm. Uh, and I and, and, and so it, it just it, you'll you'll notice a distinct lack of tweets like that from me in the future. But you know we uh, you know we are still allowed to, to you know comment on some things, and I still have fun. But uh, and it's you know it's probably why there were some things that uh, you know I just uh, w- was struck by that I would you know say something about or try to be a wise guy or snarky and you know it's it's fun. But the bottom line is yes, you've got to. Absolutely maintain the uh, the balance because people tune in, you know, every evening uh, looking for uh, somebody who plays it right down the middle. And certainly in my coverage and writing and everything else for our broadcast. But uh, yeah, I uh, I think the bottom line I was having a little too much fun out on Twitter, and they said, uh, Jim, it's time to throttle that back. Yeah. Do Do you find there's it's been a Kind of a common theme that you know the country's divided and it's and it's more divided than it's ever been and and we have the perspective of of some years now under our belt 
Uh, you know, and I think back, I was a kid, as were you, in, in the 60s. But do you feel that to be true, or, or are you able to, uh, you're such a, you know, an optimistic guy by nature. Do you, do you feel like, you know, the glass is still half full as opposed to the other way around? Uh, you know, I, I, I will always look at things that way. But, uh, you know, I think that we really do have some, you know, there's some systemic problems in this country that uh, just, uh, you know, we've pretty much failed to address. And I'm not going to rattle any off because that would, you know, get into some political stuff. And I just think that it's, uh, you know, it's it's time for some, you know, shared sacrifice to, to help lift people up. And, uh, yeah, I, I I think it's uh, I, I think it's a very very difficult time with uh, you know uh, voting rights and um, I I would just say that I think you know people really go to a trusted source and read and be knowledgeable about all the things that they might hear about in passing you know whether it's income inequality whether it's voting rights whether it's what have you it's uh, you know these just you know, these just we we should we should know more than just oh yeah I've heard about that issue. I think people really need to get read up on you know the big issues facing the country and help that determine what they do on election days, no matter who they vote for. But I, I think we need a uh, a better educated electorate. That's for sure. I I, I would concur, and um, I, I will make the difficult segue back to sports and ask you your thoughts on. Uh, because you have to have a thought if you live within the confines of not just Colorado, but the Rocky Mountain region. Uh, the Broncos have hired a new coach. His name's Nathaniel Hackett. What was your uh, uh, initial opinion, initial um, thought on that hiring And uh, after you listened to his press conference? Uh, I liked it. Boy, I tell you what, the guy's got uh, he's just a, a, a ball of positive energy. Um, but clearly watching uh, the way the, uh, the Green Bay offenses work and I think it's uh, certainly easier to be a offensive coordinator when you've got a Hall of Fame quarterback at your disposal. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I just just following along, I, I think it was a great hire. I, I really do. I think that, uh, and it seems like the players are excited. I think they're excited to have such a uh, a positive guy. I just, you know, think that there's going to be a a lot of new energy in the building after the last uh, coaching staff and. I think that's going to be positive, but the, you know, the question is, and you've heard the common refrain, it's like, well, you can be a brilliant offensive coordinator, but without a good quarterback, you got nothing. And, uh, I, I'd be curious to see how we do in that regard. Yeah, I fall into that, um, that realm. I, I've said this many times that, uh, <laughs> we, we all like to, uh, throw praise left and right at, at various, coaches but you got to have the players i had craig bowl on last week and we were talking about among other things naturally uh you know the kid he he coached who's now a great player with buffalo and josh allen and it's still you're you're as good as the players you have you want to see a great coach you can have great players and and you, you got it we know especially in the nfl you gotta you gotta have a quarterback and um I, I i'm i'm with you i thought he made a great first impression nathaniel hackett great energy uh seemed, seemed to have great personality uh and now hopefully he's able to either develop a quarterback or instantaneously attain uh you know acquire one right yeah yeah interesting you mentioned craig i mean uh what a great hire coming out of that uh dominating program that uh, that he handled at North Dakota State. But that was great when, when Wyo brought Craig Bowl in. And 
I know they love them up there. And I, I did say to a couple of friends, though, I think when around the Mountain West uh, Conference in regards to football, when Steve Adazio was hired, I suspect most, most of the other coaching staffs kind of said, well, I guess we don't have to worry about CSU uh, for the next few years. But I, I definitely think with Jay Norvell coming in, the other coaches are like, oh, boy, I think CSU finally got the right guy. Yeah, and in Craig Bowl, uh, we talked about this. Craig goes way back to when he was in Madison coaching at the University of Wisconsin. He's known he's known Jay and the Norvell family forever. And he has he has great respect for for Jay and great respect for the family because Jay's father played uh at Wisconsin, his brother was a good player. So uh, it, it's interesting. They're, you know, part of the, the bronze boot rivalry are two guys that uh, have known each other a long time and have great mutual respect. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I would guess that, uh, you know, probably, I'm guessing uh, that the Barry Alvarez days, but so many amazing things happened with Badger football while Barry was the head coach. Pretty remarkable. Yeah. Hey, listen, we lost um, a, a guy that I know you were very close to and a guy I, I was friends with for a, a number of years, way too young, and in the passing of, of Les Shapiro uh, this week. When, when his name comes up, and I know you've been asked, I'm sure, uh, a few times this week, w- what stands out about, uh, about Les? You know, I would say it was a commitment to excellence. And... Uh, you know, I had some just hilarious moments with Les. He had a delightful sense of humor and was just whip smart. But working in a newsroom and, uh, you know, we crossed paths uh, Les and guys like Les and Vic, who was uh, just, as you know, tremendous on the uh, sportscasting side, the, uh, the TV news sportscasting side. Um, you Everybody, and, and I noticed it too, you, you could not notice it. Uh, Vic was a perfectionist, and I think he wanted things right. And... Uh, he was also very competitive. He really worked the phones and worked his sources. He knew everybody in town. And uh, he did, you know, he didn't just want to beat the other sportscasters in town. You know, he wanted to beat the, uh, the, the Broncos beat writers. I mean, he wanted the newspaper guys to be able to watch Les every now and then go, oh, God, Les just beat us on a big story. So he was, he was serious as a competitive old school journalist and, uh, and and very much a taskmaster. And it, I know everybody you talk to that might have interned with him, uh, everybody says the same thing. They're just so grateful Les took the time to help them get good. And uh, he was give, always giving back in that regard. Yeah, in fact, one of my first, the first time I ever met with him, I had reached out to him via phone naturally back in 1987. I was up in Aspen. I came down and, and spent a little time and he, and he watched uh, tape with me, my tape and, you know, and, and gave me uh, some advice. And, and that was the start of a long, uh, you know, friendship. Uh, we used to play basketball together back at the, the sporting club, <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah, he, he, he was in a time where you could break stories and it was also a time journalistically where people paid attention to having two really good sources before you went and uttered something in public. Um, and and it's, it seems like we've lost that a little bit. The, and Les definitely had it. Right. Yeah, I think we've lost it. And I think with social media and everything else, and um, there, there's not quite the stain on a reporter especially somebody who spends uh, some, a lot of their time on social media. There, there's not quite the stain, and they might not feel 
uh, the personal regret of going with a story that was undersourced, and then it turns out to be wrong. And, you know, Les and guys like Les came from that era where, man, if, if it turned out to be wrong, I mean, you couldn't sleep for two nights. You just felt so bad about it, and the potential blow to your reputation is someone who always gets it right. And I think that I told my bosses at uh, Channel 4, and it's just, you know, because you want to get it right. And I think the bottom line, I've always told myself, don't ever set yourself up through lack of commitment or focus that you look stupid on television. That's, you do not want to look stupid on television. So, uh, and sometimes we can't help it. Crazy things happen. But, you know, I think that's why preparation is the key because, you know, people tune in or listen to a Drew Goodman because, they they expect excellence, and I think that's what drives us. It it sure drove Les Shapiro. Yeah, and it, and it, it one of the things that's always cracked me up about the news business is this proclamation: we were first, we were first, we were first. And I've always felt like I don't give a crap, especially in this day and age. Who was first? I want to know who was right because, as you know, Jim, if if you have something at at five twenty two. Somebody else, everybody else going to have it at 522 in three seconds. So I, I want some, I, I want it to be accurate. And again, back, back in the day when there was great competition between the sports guys and you didn't know anything until you listened to Les or Zap or, or Mike Nolan, um, you know, at, at, at 1025, you didn't know what really was transpiring back then until you listened to them. So they had to be right. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, uh, just so, uh, so very true. And, uh, you know, I will say where we, we, we've gotten this, uh, um, you know, edict from our bosses at four. And I'd like to think it's the same at the other stations. They're all well managed with great, great people. Um, it's kind of like if, if, if it doesn't pass our basic sourcing tests, we're not going with it. So, uh, uh, you know, there have probably been some times when maybe we might have had something. Weren't quite sure it weren't 100%, and so we held off for a couple of hours, and somebody else beat us to the punch. But, you know, we can live with that because, uh, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's not worth it going, going with something that uh, turns out to be wrong, especially on a big sensitive su- subject or, or topic. Yeah, well, we, we certainly lost less way too, uh, way too young, and um, I know I – I know you feel uh, that way, certainly, and, and the best yeah. uh, to, to Paula and to uh, and to their boys moving for, forward. Jim, um, you know, before we uh, let you get out of here, and I really a- appreciate the time, I, I have to tell people that they must, we mentioned social media, you must follow Jim Beneman on, on Twitter, and I don't even know if you do Instagram or whatever, but... Um, you crack me up on a on a regular basis. You and you and you and Tom Green, your buddy. Uh, you you know you have that dry wit that comes across in print as well. It's uh, true. Thank you. It's uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, you know there's a lot of sameness to what we do in TV news. I mean the stories change, but you know we're just kind of feeding the news monster every day, trying to uh, you know uh, scurry around for several hours and get quality newscasts on the air and. Uh, um, you know, at the end of the day, we can look back and it's, it's like, boy, it was great journalism. Everybody worked hard. But, you know, it's uh, the types of things we do every day are things that we do every day. So one nice thing is that 
I think uh, Twitter especially, you know, at least I enjoy it, and it, you know, gives us gives us a chance to cut loose and really develop, you know, more of a fun relationship with viewers. They get to know me, I get to know them, and it's uh, it's just uh, it's it's the, the the part about social media, the social part. I love the social part, and so it's been a lot of fun. But thanks thanks for the uh, the uh, authentication or the endorsement. No, it's been, I mean, I mean that uh, you crack me up on a regular basis, you know, because I'll, I'll retweet uh, a lot of the stuff that uh, you do because I don't have an original thought anyhow. Um, have, have you ever been able to last one? Have you ever been able to pimp Tom? I mean, wouldn't it be fun to like concoct a story when you know you're not going to be on the air and give it to your buddy that's really <laughs> fabricated? Well, boy, now you got the wheels turning on that crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for putting that idea in my head. Yeah. You know, why not? All's, all's, hey, listen, all's fair and love and play and the local <laughs> ratings uh, roulette. So I think the last time I saw you, were you doing the Buffs in L.A. on Pac-12? What was the last time I would have watched you work? Yeah, uh, that was, yeah, it was the Buffs in, in USC, but it, was, it actually was in Boulder. So, um, oh, Okay. All right. I got on my private jet and I flew up to Boulder. <laughs> When's uh, what's what's your next broadcast? Uh, if the uh, esteemed members of the Players Association and the major league owners get together, it'll be a spring training game. I'm done. I don't have another college basketball game. I'm done with college hoops, unfortunately. Um, so I'm I, I've got this podcast and some skiing and uh, you know a little tennis and. That sort of thing, but uh, hope, hopefully they get this deal worked out pretty soon. You know, it's, all, it's always fun to root for uh, for the underdogs, but uh, you know, Rafi Nadal has been such an amazing, classy champion. Who are you rooting for in the Aussie Open final? Well, Medvedev is not exactly a warm figure. Uh, he's a great he's a great talent, and uh, Nadal, especially what six weeks ago, he didn't he didn't think he was going to be able to play. And not only does he show up and play in the Aussie, but he ends up winning it, and he was two sets down. I, I thought that was great theater. And for those that that follow tennis like yourself, think about this era. I mean, you know, you and I go back to Connors and McEnroe and Bjorn Borg, and that was really captivating. But Benny, you talk about Nadal and Federer and and uh, and the Joker, who's obviously you know not real popular these days. Those are those may be the three greatest players of all time. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... You know, and, and I pinch myself, and I, I've, I've said that exact same thing to some buddies of mine, and uh, yeah, we all we have been so absolutely spoiled, and you know, and, and God bless Serena over on the women's draw. I mean, what a dominating, uh, incredible talent. But the one thing about Serena, she was so dominant that a lot of times you'd go into a tournament and just kind of assume that she'd be there at the end. Um, because it was so hard to find consistent challengers that could hold up to her game. On the men's side, I mean, the, the drama lasted, you know, you know, typically all the way through the finals. It was, it's just been amazing. It, it's great. And I had, growing up in New York, um, I had the, the pleasure of going pretty annually to, usually it was like the fourth round, which is good because a lot of the lesser names got got eliminated. I'd go to the U.S. Open in Flushing Meadows, and I'll tell you what, especially going to like a side court, Jim, and watching, they're playing 
they're playing ping pong. If you've ever seen a high-level ping pong game, that's how they're playing tennis. It's amazing how hard they hit the ball. Yeah, yes. It absolutely is, and it's uh, it's like people who can watch golf on television, and I do, and you see a guy rip a drive or hit a four-iron from 228 yards to six feet of the pin. Unless you're there in the gallery and 10 feet, you, you have no appreciation for the sound, the power, I mean, the acceleration, it's, you, you gotta be there to really feel it. It's very true with tennis. Yeah, and uh, real quick to follow up on what you said, you're right on. I, uh, with Serena Williams, you know how the, the Tiger uh, effect of now, when you look at most golfers, they're big, strong, athletic looking guys, you know, Kepka and DeChambeau and, and Rory. I mean, they're really fit and, and uh, in great shape. You know, they, they, they come out of the weight room and then they go and hit golf balls, right? Well, on the women's side, I was a big Chrissy Everett fan. Mar- Martina kind of changed the game, but there are now more players that can hit with great power, and Serena was a, a, a trailblazer. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's fun. At high-level tennis, well, especially at, uh, you know, at that level, is, uh, is such a treat. It'd be great to get them here in Denver uh, for the occasional tour stop. I would love to see that, and I would also love to see a return. I, I know you got great joy out of going to the International when Jack Vickers had that tournament down at Castle Pines Golf Club. I would love to see a, a major here on a regular, or not a major, but at least a, the, the PGA, the men's tour here on a regular basis again. Yeah, there's been some scuttlebutt that I had heard that they had picked uh, Cherry Hills Colorado Golf Club and the International course down at Castle Pines. And maybe, uh, you know, like every three years, one of those courses would host like a big FedEx tournament or something. So that uh, kind of moved it around. But we were always guaranteed once every three years of getting a big event. And who knows? It was just, you know, uh, one of the rumors flying around the uh, the 19th holes uh, at the courses but uh, around town. But it'd be great uh, if, for, for this town not to be able to see, you know, the PGA or the LPGA tour visit. Every few years, I think it's just pretty silly. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, Jim. What you do tonight as you head into CBS4 is put that in the B block. Maybe not the A block, but put that in the B block of your newscast tonight, okay? Throw that out there. Because if you throw it out there, it legitimizes it. And next thing you know, maybe it's got some legs. Well, yeah, maybe it's got – well, it might have legs, but it's still wrong. But, but I could throw it out there. But 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 I will say, as we've seen with social media, Drew, by the by the time figure people figure out it is wrong, they forgot who started the rumor. Just blame it, blame it on me. I mean, I don't want you to get in trouble because you have this sterling reputation. Just blame it on me. Said I got, I thought I got it from a reliable source. <laughs> many many people are saying. Yes, many people. My sources. I like when the guy. I like the, when the guy on Twitter comes out with my sources. Who, who are your sources? <laughs> Crazy. Oh my hey, God, buddy! What Drew? What a treat! I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I, I had a blast. It's it's great catching up. Um, we'll we'll do it again uh, at, at some point and have a, a great newscast tonight. And keep those t- entertaining tweets coming, please. I will. I'll talk to to my writers and make sure that they're all paid up. 
There you, there, there you go. Betty, take care of yourself, man. Be well. All right. See you, buddy. Bye. My chat with uh, with Jim Benman, fun guy, great follow on social media, witty, um, sarcastic, dry wit, like his very close friend Tom Green, who's also been on this podcast, but also uh, a guy that was in sports and moved to news and did it uh, splendidly. Uh, two funny guys, um, so good to, good to visit uh, with Benny. And uh, appreciate his time. He's a huge hockey fan, as as we were talking about in there. And I just can't get enough of the Avs. Unfortunately, as they go to the All-Star break, they lost um, in overtime. Not even in the three-on-three. They lost in the shootout, 3-2 to two, to uh, Arizona. So their 18-game home winning streak comes to an end. On the other side of the All-Star break... Fingers crossed, 29 will be back. Nathan McKinnon will probably have to wear a, more of a, a full cage to project, uh, protect that nose. Um, and he did have a concussion as well. But uh, hopefully right after the break, 29 is back, and we can see the Avs continue to roll on. They have been an absolute joy uh, to watch play. Same with watching uh, Mr. Jokic and the Nuggets of late. I know uh, as of this taping, they lost in their last uh, outing against Minnesota. They had won five in a row and Jokic uh, again playing not just like the MVP he was a year ago. He's actually elevated his game if that was possible. So uh, kudos uh, to him. Reminder to uh, check out all the DNVR podcasts, particularly one with uh, my man Patrick Lyons on the DNVR Rockies daily podcast, five days a week. Uh, I join him once a week and you get a plethora of information uh, from DNBR and Patrick, and he has fun doing it. So uh, make sure you download uh, their podcast as well. Talk to you next week. Enjoy, everyone. Stay safe. Stay warm.